Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, or whenever you may be listening. Welcome to episode 36 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. I'm your host, Luke Algerson. You know how we do it. Five topics, unpopular opinion. Let's get right into it. Topic number one, NFL going into week nine. As a matter of fact, it already started. Packers beat the 49ers on Thursday night football. Uh, Packers look dominant against them, but I want to talk about with the NFL specifically. We're just going to do a little rundown of the divisions and talk about the contenders and the pretenders. Now, I'm going to establish a contender as a playoff team who has potential to win some playoff games and compete for a Super Bowl. And pretenders are obviously the fakers. So let's start in the NFC, specifically with the NFC West. Let's start with the Seattle Seahawks. This team is 100% a contender. Look, they might not have the defense. They might not have the pass rush. They might not have the secondary. But they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league in Russell Wilson. They're a little too reliant on him, but their offensive firepower is through the roof. I think Pete Carroll in this defense can get it together, figure it out. You know, they're just a team that's going to keep trending in an upward direction just because Wilson is so phenomenal. I expect him to keep playing like an MVP. I expect him to win the MVP. So I'm going to say Seattle is a contender. Second team who's in second place for the NFC West, Arizona Cardinals. This team is legit. You know, Kyler, they've won three in a row. Kyler Murray is a beast. He's going to be an MVP candidate throughout the year. They're 5-2. and two. They're point differential. They're plus 57. They beat the Seattle Seahawks just a couple weeks ago. What's not to like about this team? Uh, they have a good defense. Their offense is through the roof cliff. Kingsbury showing that he's a good coach. Uh, I like this team a lot. They're one of the teams that really could make the switch from first, from last to first. We always see a jump. They're going to be one of those teams. I think they'll compete. Definitely going to make the playoffs and could be very dangerous in the playoffs. I don't think anyone wants to face them just because I don't think anyone's figured out Kyler Murray. I th- he's so dynamic. No one has found an answer for him yet to stop him. So fast, so dynamic. Just another one of the QBs in the league that can do it with his feet and with his Arm. So I believe in the Arizona Cardinals. The other team in the NFC West, the Los Angeles Rams. I think they're pretenders. Look, I think they could make the playoffs for sure, but I don't see them winning any games. I, I just don't think they have enough on the offensive end. The defense is good. You know, they got Donaldson, they got Ramsey, but I'm just I'm not sold on this team as a playoff contender. These next couple of weeks will really show what they're made of. They play Seattle. Then they play the Bucks. Then they play the 49ers. Then they play the Cardinals. Uh, that's, that's a tough uphill climb. These next four games, I think, will really dictate the season for the Rams. I see them possibly getting into the playoffs, but I don't see them winning any playoff games as, at that. And then the final team in the NFC West that I will mention, we're not going to mention every team in East Division, but this is the best division in football, so I feel I have to mention every team. 49ers, they're 4-5, and five, just lost to the Packers. They have too many injuries. Everyone's getting hurt. Garoppolo's been inconsistent and hurt. Kittle is out with a leg injury. Just too many injuries for a team that was in the Super Bowl just last year. Uh, they're pretenders. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. They're a good team. They just too many injuries to worry about, but they're, they're not going away. They're still a pretty good team uh, for years to come, so 
I like where the team is at. Just they're going to have a lot of changes coming. Garoppolo just hasn't been there. He might be moved uh, in the off season. So, but but 49ers, they are pretenders. Let's move over to the NFC South. Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Look, they're one of the best teams in football right now. I really believe in them as a team. They're 6-2. and two. Tom Brady is wheeling and dealing. They've won three in a row. Had a scary game against the Giants. They look good against the Raiders. They dominated the Packers. They got the Saints this weekend. Then they play the Panthers. Then they play the Rams. And they play the Chiefs again. Uh, four of their next games are prove-it games for them. Panthers, yeah, they should beat them. Rams, like I said, could be a playoff team. Chiefs, obviously one of the other top teams in the NFL right now. And then I don't think... And then obviously the Saints game this weekend is a big one, but Saints definitely a team, excuse me, the Bucks definitely a team that could win the Super Bowl. Tom Brady is clicking. They're activating Antonio Brown. It could be a disaster or it could go really well. That remains to be seen. I'm Just their point differential plus 82. The defense is coming into its own. They've been great. Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna say Bucks definitely a Super Bowl contender. Uh, not even a question. Definitely a contender. New Orleans Saints. Look, something they might have won four games in a row, but something is off with this team. Like Michael Thomas has been out. This they're too reliant on Alvin Kamara. They've come up short constantly in the playoffs the past few years, getting bounced early. Uh, they play the Bucks this weekend. It'll be a great one to, on NBC, Sunday Night Football. Then they got the Falcons, then they got the Broncos, and they got the Falcons again. They got a pretty easy schedule moving forward, so they're going to win a lot of games this year. Michael Thomas should be coming back this weekend for them. God, they are contenders. They are contenders. I don't want to just wipe it off that they're pretenders, just how they've played the last few years, but there's definitely some worry here. There's definitely some real worry with this team. Obviously, the chemistry is off a little bit with this team. Michael Thomas punching a teammate. Just They're not clicking. Drew Brees doesn't throw the ball down the field. There's a lot of concerns with this team. They are going to win a lot of games. It, it really comes down to can they get it done in the playoffs because they're definitely going to make the playoffs. Let's see. I'm going to say Saints are contenders. And... I would say those are the only two noteworthy teams in this division. Let's move to the NFC North, starting with the Green Bay Packers, the team that got the most recent victory in the NFL after crushing the 49ers. They're 6-2, plus 49-point differential. Yeah, this team is contenders. Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, definitely top five. People are writing them off too quick. A little too reliant on Devontae Adams, but that's what happens when you have a go-to receiver and not many other weapons. They still got Aaron Jones. Um, it's just this defense. The defense is going to hold them back. They don't, they don't stop the run. They don't have it's, – it's, it's been the problem with them the past few years of, okay, they rely on Rodgers, they rely on the offense, and hopefully the defense can just step up and make a few plays. Well, I don't know if they'll be able to do that, but this team is definitely contenders. They're contenders to win the Super Bowl. If you have Aaron Rodgers under center, you're a Super Bowl contender. Packers, it'll be tough, but they're definitely contenders. The Chicago Bears sitting at 5-3. and three. My Chicago Bears, they've lost two in a row after starting the season 5-1. and one. They're 5-3. and three. They're pretenders. They really are. Uh, I mentioned it before. I don't think they can beat the good teams. 
I really don't. They lost to the Rams. They lost to the Saints. They played the Titans this weekend. Then they got the Vikings and they got the Packers. Uh, they could lose five games in a row easily. Easily could lose five games in a row. Just Nick Foles just doesn't do anything dynamic for me. Nagy has no control of this offense. He's going to continue to be the play caller. I think he's the best option at the play caller. But the Bears don't beat good teams. This is the problem. They don't beat good teams. They'll beat the bad teams. They'll beat the lights of the Jaguars and the Texans. Should beat the Lions. Should beat the Vikings. But those aren't pushover games. Those are all going to be close. Remember, the Lions should have beat the Bears. But Swift dropped a touchdown pass to end the game. Uh, And then they barely scraped by against the Giants. Huge comeback win against the Falcons. A lot of the wins that the Bears have have been very fluky, very fortunate circumstances. So the Bears, they could make the playoffs, but they are pretenders. They're not a true Super Bowl threat. And the final division, not even worth mentioning. Every team in the NFC East is not a contender. They're all fake. They're all terrible. Yeah, you could say the Philadelphia Eagles are 3-4-1. and one. That's really cute. That's really cute, but they are not a good football team. So many injuries. Wentz has been inconsistent. He's still a good quarterback. Don't let the media manipulate you and think that he's not. He's got a lot of talent. Just They play in a terrible division. I mean, the rest of the division has a combined five wins between three teams. Washington's two and five. The Cowgirls are two and six, and the Giants are one and seven. Right? It's just the worst team and f- worst division in football. No one is a true contender in this division. I don't believe in anyone. They're all terrible. Let's move over to the AFC. AFC. We'll start with the AFC West. Kansas City Chiefs, obviously Super Bowl contenders. The offense is great. They've won three in a row. Point differential of a hundred and. One, the defense is really nice. Their only loss was to the Raiders. Raiders had a good week, but yeah, they've won three in a row. Just they—they they are true Super Bowl contenders. Patrick Mahomes, best quarterback in the league. Andy Reid, phenomenal coach, definitely one of the best. I def- How could you not believe in this Chiefs team? Moving forward, they have so many weapons. Adding Le'Veon Bell, they still got Tyreek Hill, who's been a little quiet. They still got Kelsey. Weapons all over the field. Uh, Obviously, the Kansas City Chiefs are contenders. The other team in this division that has a winning record, the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, They're pretenders. Look, they're 4-3. They have some big wins for sure. Yeah, they've beaten the Chiefs. They've beaten the Browns. They've beaten the Saints. Okay, Uh, that's great. They play in a weak division. So they're lucky that they get to play the Chargers and the Broncos four more times. But I don't see them, again, another team. Yeah, they've beaten a couple good teams. But lost to the Patriots, lost to the Bills, lost to the Bucks big time. I just, you know, Derek Carr has looked phenomenal with John Gruden as his coach. I just, there's too many holes on this team. The defense just isn't there. I see them as pretenders. I don't see them going anywhere. They might make a playoff spot. They could get to the playoffs, but I don't see them making any noise once they get there. So pretenders. AFC South, let's start with the Titans. Top of the division, 5-2. and two. They've lost two in a row. Now, they did just lose to the Bengals, and they lost to the Steelers, but Joe Burrow looked great. Steelers are the Steelers' only undefeated team in football. 
So I'm going to cut them some slack there. They play my Bears this week, and I got the Titans winning that one, turn, bouncing back. This team's contender. Uh, Vrabel's a fantastic coach. Still got the best. Uh, Derrick Henry, as of right now, best running back in the league. Tannehill is serviceable. Still got a lot of weapons with Davis on the outside. The defense is really good. Just the Titans, they were in the AFC Championship game last year, exceeded expectations. I think they can rematch that. They are contenders. Watch out for the Titans. They're not to be slept on. Other team that's 5-2 and two in that division, Indianapolis. Colts, look, the point differential looks great. They've won two in a row. <laughs> They've beaten the likes of my Chicago Bears, the Vikings, the Jets. <laughs> They've lost to the Browns. They beat the Bengals, and they beat the Lions. Pretenders. And they play the Ravens this week, so that I think will be the biggest test of the season to this point. And then the week after that, they got the Titans. Week after that, they got the Packers, and then they play the Titans again. Four tough games in a row. This was this is make or break for the Colts right here. These next four weeks will really dictate it, but I do not believe in them as a team just because Phillip Rivers is Phillip Rivers. Got a QBR of 67. He's thrown 10 touchdowns to six interceptions. Had a lot of injuries on the offensive end. Jonathan Taylor hasn't been that great. T.Y. Hilton is non-existent. The defense is phenomenal. The defense is phenomenal for this team, but I don't see them being true contenders because Phillip Rivers, Phillip Rivers just has never got it done. He's never won big games. He's never won playoff games. He doesn't have success when it matters most. That's why I hold back the Colts, and that's why they are pretenders. Let's move to the AFC South. Pittsburgh Steelers, the only undefeated team in football, plus 69-point differential. Um, who do they got this week? They play the Cowgirls this week. That should be a big win. Then they got the Bengals, and they got the Jaguars. Then they play the Ravens, Washington, Bills, Bengals, Coles, Browns. This team could go undefeated. Like The toughest game, remaining game on their schedule is the Ravens, and they beat the Ravens. And then after that, you know, the Bills and Colts, those will be tough games, but this team could really go undefeated. Uh, they're going to demolish the Cowboys. Mike Tomlin has this defense rolling. They've been fantastic. Ben Roethlisberger has looked a little shaky. He's looking a little old, but he's still thrown 15 touchdowns. His QBR, 63.4, though. He's he's looked really inconsistent. They, good running game, though. They got James Conner. Love my former Notre Dame player, Chase Claypool, doing well. So let's see. I expect them to continue to keep trending in the right direction. I don't think they're going to go undefeated. That should be said. I do not believe this team will go 16-0 and into the playoffs. But they are a good team, forced to be reckoned with, and will definitely be contenders as the year goes on. Another team, Baltimore Ravens, 5-2. and Look, they just came off a loss. Marquise Hollywood Brown complaining about not getting touches against the Steelers. Uh, let's play the Colts this weekend. Then they got the Patriots and Titans and Steelers again. Uh, they're, they're, Lamar Jackson is still learning how to be a quarterback. It's not easy. It's just his third year. Yeah, we expect a lot after a guy wins an MVP. Maybe he's not living up to expectations, but I expect this team to get better. They have a lot of talent all over the field. I thought they were going to make moves, probably trade Ingram for some draft picks, but they didn't do that. Still like this team, Lamar Jackson is still dynamic. Brown is great on the outside. Still 
Very dangerous team. Got to watch out for them. Let's see if they can. They haven't been able to come back, though. That's been the thing that holds them back is not being able to come back when they have a deficit. Let's see if they can turn that around. But Ravens are contenders. Don't sleep on this team. They are contenders. Lamar Jackson will keep improving as the year goes on. And I believe in the Ravens. Final team in the AFC North, that needs to be talked about. The Cleveland Steamers. That's right, the Browns. Five and three. Oh, they've shocked me. Odell Beckham went down with an injury. They just came off a loss to the Raiders. Mayfield looked not great. Beat the Bengals the week before that. Look, the, the Browns are much like the Bears. Very similar. They beat the bad teams, and they lose to the good teams. That's usually how it goes. They got the... They got a bye week this week. They're pretenders, though. It's just the running game is there. At this point, I don't believe in Mayfield. Oh, he's a average quarterback. He's not anything special. He's not anything to write home about. They got a good run game. Kareem Hunt has been fantastic. It's a shame that Chubb went down to injury. Odell Beckham went down to injury. They still got Jarvis Landry. Still a lot of offensive firepower, but this team just, I don't think Mayfield is there yet, and very similar to the Bears. Lose to the bat, lose to the good teams, the playoff contending teams, and you beat the bad teams who have no chance of making the playoffs. So Browns, they are pretenders. Final division, the AFC East. We'll start with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, minus one point differential. Yeah, they've won two in a row. Josh Allen has been a little shaky after a huge start. Uh, this team, the wins have not been that impressive. You know, they beat the Jets, they beat the Dolphins, they beat the Rams in a very close game, they beat the Raiders in a very close game, got blown out by the Titans, easily defeated by the Chiefs, and beat the Jets in a sloppy game and barely, barely walked away with a win against the Patriots due to a Cam Newton fumble. I like where this team is at. I like Josh Allen as a quarterback. I like the defense. Stephon Diggs is a beast. But they got the Seahawks this weekend. Then they play the Cardinals. Then they play the Chargers. Then they play the 49ers. And then the Steelers on December 13th. I I don't believe that this team is true contenders. I think they're a very good team. But I don't see them really making that sufficient kind of noise in the playoffs just because they're, other, they're just better teams in the AFC. They're just better teams, and I think they still have a lot to learn. I think Josh Allen is still growing as a quarterback. Uh, he's looked good. He's got 16 touchdowns, QBR of 82.4, thrown for over 2,000 yards already. I like where they're headed as an organization, but I think they still have a long way to go before they're true contenders. So even though they are 6-2, and two, top of the division, I expect them to win the division. They are pretenders. And then the final team that has a winning record in the AFC that's that we should recognize, the Miami Dolphins, 4-3, plus 85-point differential. They've won three in a row. Tua Tungavailoa has taken over as the starting quarterback. They've beaten the 49ers, Jets, Rams as their last three wins. They had a close game against the Seahawks, barely lost to the Bills, and lost to the Patriots week one. They got the Cardinals this week in what should be a good game, but 
I think this team is pretenders. Look, rookie quarterbacks do not win playoff games. They do not excel as we would, you know, they're talented. Tua's very good. He definitely puts them in a better position to win over Fitzpatrick. But I just don't believe that the Dolphins, after being this bad for as long as the Dolphins had, I don't think they're just going to all of a sudden turn it around and become true contenders. So they're a nice little story. I think they can keep improving as the year goes on. The defense is only going to get better. They've only given up 130 points. And the defense is very, very good. But they got... They're going to have a challenge this weekend against the Cardinals next week. They could get exposed again by the Chargers, who have a good offense. You know, even though the Chargers will probably blow the game, you know, the Chargers, will, I bet, will still put up a lot of points. So, uh, Dolphins, count them as pretenders. They are not true contenders. They're a nice little story. They're going to keep getting better. You know, keep building for the future because I think eventually in – two, three years, they can become true Super Bowl contenders. Brian Flores has them moving in the right direction, but as of now, they are pretenders. And that's the NFL rundown on contenders and pretenders. Let's move on. Topic number two. The NBA has officially approved and voted that the season is scheduled to start on December 22nd. Again, I predicted it last episode that this is when it would start. Sure enough, that's when it started. (laughs) Sure enough, that's what they voted on. It's going to be a 72-game season that will finish before the start of the scheduled Tokyo Olympics in the summer. Training camps are expected to open in early December. Look, a lot of dates for the NBA. Like, they're... (laughs) Time off? What is it? Like 71 days, 79 days? It's not a lot of time away from basketball. Like, we just crowned 71 days exactly. It's the shortest offseason of any professional sport in sports history. They just finished. I feel like we just crowned the Lakers champions just a couple weeks ago. Like, LeBron just won his fourth ring and now has to get ready to play high-octane basketball. December 22nd. Look, again, I spoke on this last episode of I wanted December 22nd start date just so there's more games. You know, we get to watch more, more TV time, more enjoyment for me to enjoy the sport I love that is the NBA. But it is a quick turnaround. I do expect that the stars will rest early in the season. Load management will be a thing. I'm okay with it, especially in a shortened season. I want my guys ready for the playoffs. Um, I do think they'll play. I think some teams do have a sense of urgency. The Clippers got bounced early. There is a sense of urgency there. Tyron Lue will have those guys playing hard. They will not be taking time off early. Uh, The Nets, another team. Durant going to look to prove that he still got in as one of the top players in the league. Kyrie coming off injury. Nets have a lot to prove. Bringing in a new coach. I expect them to be another team that's going to put their foot right on the gas pedal in the early going. There are a lot of teams that I do think will be pushing the tempo early and trying to get off to a good start, regardless of how quickly the season has to start. Because not a lot of teams went that far. Uh, The top contending teams, you know, the Nuggets played the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. The Nuggets are young. They're not going to rest, guys. It goes for... The Eastern Conference, Miami's not going to rest guys early in the year. 
they're a young team. Same with the Celtics. You know, they might have gone far in the playoffs, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals, but they're a young team. They're going to get out, and they're going to not rest, guys. I think it really only applies to one specific team. That's the Lakers for how far they got and the age of their superstar player, LeBron James. Like Anthony Davis, I bet, will be good to go right away. It just... That's the only thing. I don't expect a lot of load management. I do expect it here and there a little bit, but I'm excited. The season is already starting. The draft is right around the corner, November 18th. Free agency will start shortly after that. Like I said, reporting for training camp early December. I mean, it's fantastic. And this is what they want to do. They were talking about a loss in revenue of almost a billion dollars from the difference in a month's start date. They're going to try different ways to increase revenue by possibly getting sponsorship with more casinos, having casinos in the arena. They plan on having fans. This is the big news, though. Plan on having fans 25% to 50% capacity. Talked about it before, how teams are capable of having fans in these 30,000-person arenas. You can have 5,000 people there. It would be okay. And they're going to have to figure out a way to get revenue. Apparently, the salary cap isn't going to drop much at all. And free agency is just right around the corner. It's just we're running right into it, full steam ahead with the NBA. It's fantastic. I'm so excited that they're getting started this early. And when you think about it, a lot of teams haven't even played since March. Uh, Eight teams haven't played basketball since March. So a lot of teams have had a lot of time off while other teams have had shorter times on. Starting in December and playing on Christmas and during the holiday week could be worth about $500 million in TV revenue, sponsorships, and limited ticket sales. And I think it, obviously it varies by market with the coronavirus pandemic. Here in the fine state of Florida, I bet there will be fans in the arenas at the Orlando Magic Games, at the Miami Heat Games, Elsewhere across the country, it remains to be seen if restrictions will be lifted a little bit, but with cases spiking across the country, I have a hard time believing that, but it'll be state by state, but it's definitely a big revenue thing for the NBA to start early. And they lost a lot of revenue last year. They made up some of it with the bubble, but they lost a lot of revenue So that's why they want to start early, and I think another reason they want to start early is to have guys be able to compete in the Olympics and really showcase their talents to the world. The game is global. You want to keep preaching to that global crowd, get people more in tune with basketball, get those ratings back up. I think that's why they're doing it, and they also want to get back on their regular October to June schedule as well. I think that's where they're trending in that direction is to get back on it for the 2021-2022 2021-2022 season. Like I'm sure that's got to be what they're aiming for to get back on track to, so we have the finals in June and the season starting in October. But basketball returning so quickly, just 71 days off, and we back, we rolling. Let's go, NBA. Bang, bang. Topic number three. Major League Baseball has some new managers hired by teams. That's right. Three guys have gotten hired within the past couple weeks. Let's just break them down real quick. First, and I think probably the biggest hiring of all of them, is Tony LaRusso will be back managing for the Chicago 
White Sox. I'm not a fan of this hiring. First of all, I'm not that big a fan of White Sox, but that remains to be seen. I like them as an up-and-coming team. They have a lot of young talent just all over that roster, just a young, energetic team. I like the energy that they bring to baseball in a sport that really needs the kind of energy that the White Sox bring of just guys who just play a different way, guys who play with an attitude, play with a chip on their shoulder, guys like Tim Anderson, just the new generation of baseball who's trying to energize it and bring baseball new life. And Tony La Russa is kind of an older guy. As a matter of fact, he'll be the oldest manager in Major League Baseball. How well can he connect with this team? Sure, you can look back at his success with the St. Louis Cardinals. You know, he won World Series. That was a young team, but that was a decade ago. Like, that was a while ago. That was a long time ago since the St. Louis Cardinals have won a World Series. It's been over 10 years, and yet here we are talking about how this team is going to bring in an old manager to connect with a young team. I think that's going to be the difference for this team. Look, he brings a lot of experience to the job. Could it work out? Absolutely. It could pay off big time. Could get these guys to play a certain way, but they're already a good team. I thought they were trending in the right direction. I'm a little shocked they moved off Renteria so quick, especially for a guy who's an elder statesman like La Russa. It just, it was a very odd signing to me. I heard rumors it was going to happen. I didn't believe it just because of his, the age difference between the players on the team and him as a manager. Mm, I'm just, I'm not sold on the hiring and apparently a lot of other people aren't either. Uh, according to SB Nation, Will Tony La Russa work out as the White Sox manager? And this was a poll that they had. 58% of the voters said no. No, it won't work out. And do you approve of the hiring of Tony La Russa? This was another poll they had. 61% of White Sox fans said no. They don't approve of it. it he seems just... I don't want to say out of touch with the new age of baseball, and you can say whatever you want about analytics. I'm not the biggest fan of it, but I just look at his most recent job was with the Diamondbacks. I believe he was front office with them signing players, and they've been irrelevant. The Diamondbacks weren't anything. Maybe he doesn't have a hand in signings or anything like that, which would be good for them, but I'm not sold on this trade, and I in this signing, excuse me, I don't think it will pay off how the White Sox think it will. I don't I don't think it's a good hire. I think they had a lot of other options, and they settled on a guy who has a lot of experience but is old. He's an old manager. I think he'll have a hard time connecting with the young players. There could be issues there. Um, see how it plays out. Uh White Sox fans, reach out to me. Tell me how you feel about the hiring. I'm not a fan of it. I don't think it'll work out too well there. And I think it might be a step in the wrong direction for the White Sox. I know he has World Series experience, but I can't look past his most recent stop was with the Diamondbacks and struggling. to. He was supposed to turn that organization around, make them better, and they have still been irrelevant since that. World Series run in 2001, so I'm not a fan 
of this hiring. Another couple hirings that we'll touch on real quick. Alex Cora, back with the Boston Red Sox. A <laughs> little shady how they made this hiring right in the middle of the presidential election, right in the middle of votes still being counted, breakdown of this, the country's focus on that. What do the Red Sox do? Just quietly, just in the, in the shadows, they're just like, all right, we're going to bring back Cora. We're just going to bring him back to the organization. Forget the cheating scandal. We're just going to brush that aside. He served his suspension. Let's bring him back in. Let's bring this guy back. Look, he's shown that he had success. How much their little cheating video replay room thing had on them is, you know, I don't know how much of an effect. It definitely didn't have the same effect that the Astros cheating scandal had with banging on trash cans to know what pitch was coming. But at the end of the day, we really don't know how far the Red Sox took it just with what MLB reported. They just had access to the replay room and did some shady things there. But I don't think they did it to the extent the Astros did. But it is very odd that the Red Sox would just go right back to a guy that is associated with the cheating scandal in Boston and then also was one of the orchestrators, supposedly, of the Houston Astros sign-stealing scandal. So back-to-back teams that this guy has worked for, he's been involved with cheating scandals, and the Red Sox bring him back. Look. He could be whatever smart baseball mind he wants, but this just doesn't sit right with me. He was inevitably going to get a job and be back in the league, especially after winning a World Series. Teams believe in coaches who can win World Series. That's, that's why he got the job. He can, he's a younger guy. He can connect with the young players. He, he's a former player. All understandably so. It just, golly. Golly, I'm just <laughs> Boston. Just, just does it so quietly, like right in the mi- middle of the election. No one's paying attention to baseball, and the Red Sox are just like we hired Alex Cora. All right, moving on. Now we're gonna see what we're gonna do um, for signing free agents. How we're gonna go about it. How we're gonna construct this roster. It just, mm. uh, he's just popular amongst the players. I'm sure players vouch for him, like Bogart's vouching for him. I'm sure J.D. Martinez vouches for him. I'm sure just a lot of guys just believe in him as a coach. And speaking of Bogart's, you know, here's a quote he've had. I've talked to him a couple of times since the news came out. It's just sad. It's just sad that he won't be our manager, um, said two days after the firing. I, As I said, just the person he was to us. There can't be anyone in that clubhouse that has an issue with him or something bad to say about him. So clearly, the the players back him. Regardless of the cheating scandal or not, the players believe in him as a manager, respect him. So it was inevitable that he was going to get a job. It just is funny how the Red Sox are just like, all right, you're, you're fired. And then a year later, all of a sudden, they're like, all right, come on back. Come on back. So I'm sure the Red Sox just want to stay relevant, and he's a good coach to keep them relevant and solid after a very down year, after a very disappointing year. The Red Sox were not good at all. So let's see if Cora can get them back to the glory that they've had over over the past few years. The final managerial hire. (laughs) Another cheater getting a job. A.J. Hinch, that's right, the manager of when the Astros (laughs) banged on the trash cans, when the Houston Asterisks were banging on trash cans to win the 2017 World Series, the guy at the helm of all of it, 
AJ Hinch, the manager who heard the trash can banging, didn't stop it, do, didn't do anything to police it, went along with it, abided by it, was okay with it. Apparently, you know, they can say whatever they want. They can say that he told them to stop doing it, but clearly, you know, if they're banging on trash cans in the middle of the game and he's not going back there to say to stop, clearly he's involved. He's in on it. He's okay with it. And, again, I, I don't have a lot of respect for him. As a manager, just he can apologize. He can say whatever he wants. I'm not going to feel sorry for him that he had to be involved with this. He was fully aware of their sign-stealing scheme, and he orchestrated it, and he will now be the newest coach of the Detroit Tigers. Well, look, Detroit needs to figure out a way to get better. So bring in a guy who knows how to, you know, maybe cheat the system a little bit, do a couple little sketchy things, huh? You know, why not bring him in? Maybe he can turn things around. It just <laughs> it just is very odd that all three managers that were brought in, it is just very funny that all of them were brought in. You know, the Tigers bring in Hinch, who was involved in the Astro Science Stealing scandal. Cur- Cora, I've been saying his name the whole wrong this whole time. Alex Cora, excuse me, Alex Cora. Yeah, I'll repeat it. Correa, not Correa. Cora, gosh, he's still a cheater. Anyways, you know, he won the World Series. He was part of the Astro sign ceiling scandal. Had his little thing in Boston. And then, funny enough, Tony Larusa, who oversaw a White Sox team that was uh, credibly accused of stealing signs in the 1980s, and the steroid-riddled Oakland A's clubhouse is back. And again, LaRusse is 76 years old. He's going to be the oldest manager, I think, by, I think he's like 12 or 13 years older than Joe Madden. So all the managers <laughs> who got jobs recently are associated with some form of sign stealing. It's just <laughs> classic baseball, classic baseball, just any way to get better. They're going to try and do it. So um, look, but Tigers are trying to tread in the right direction. Maybe bring in a winning manager. It remains to be seen. Like, the Astros were still going to win a lot of games with Hinch, even if they weren't stealing signs from people. But I'm just not a fan of him. I'm not a fan of him. I'm not a fan of Cora. I'm not a fan of La Russa. I'm not a fan of any of these hirings. And I'm glad I don't follow any of these teams too closely to be too concerned. But... <laughs> If I start hearing some banging, then I'll be concerned. A little trash can banging. Watch out, Hinch. Uh, I think they got a lot of trash cans in Detroit because that city is garbage. <laughs> Moving on. Topic number four. Tonight, big-time college football game here on November 7th, 2020. Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish go up against the Clemson Tigers, the number one team against the fourth-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Or is Notre Dame fifth? I, I can't remember if they're fifth or if they're – either way, Notre Dame's a high-ranking team. So obviously the biggest game of the weekend um, throughout college football, yeah, Notre Dame as of right now is number four. So number one against number four, the game is in South Bend – Mm. going to be a great game. A couple things could go right for Notre Dame. Here's the one thing that could go right. First of all, it's at Notre Dame Stadium, yeah? Not going to have a full sellout, obviously. College game day is there right now. I was watching it a little this morning. 
thank goodness Trevor Lawrence is out. It gives Notre Dame a much better chance to win, but it says a lot. It doesn't hit the panic button quickly on Clemson because even if Clemson loses this game, uh, these teams could face each other in the ACC championship game. I think this should just be a prelude to that game. So how significant this game is remains to be seen, but it is going to be a good game. Last time these teams faced each other, oh boy, it was ugly. 2018 college football playoff semifinals, Clemson took it to Notre Dame, beat them 30-3, to but then they blew out Alabama in the national championship game, so I didn't feel too bad about that loss. Um, just... Clemson just has so much talent across the field. I mean, they are by far the best team in college football. The big thing, just Trevor Lawrence isn't playing. Uh, who are they playing? I think they're playing a freshman at quarterback. <laughs> just, it's what, hmm, it what really, that's what really is going to be the difference. With no Lawrence, and I'm not even going to try to butcher <laughs> JD's last name, but He's still a serviceable quarterback. He looked pretty good in his debut last week, but he, he's no Trevor Lawrence. I can tell you that. This guy is no Trevor Lawrence, but the Tigers still remain 5.5 point favorites. Oh, give me the points. Oh, Notre Dame is winning this game. I'm making that pick right now. Notre Dame is going to win. I truly believe it just because Lawrence is out. I think Notre Dame will step up. Game's in South Bend. It's going to be a fantastic football game. I really hope Notre Dame wins this game because they need a big win. They need a big win because everyone disrespects Notre Dame as a program. They always make it seem like, oh, they're an overrated program who gets way too much credit. No, Notre Dame's actually one of the few teams that goes out and plays good football teams week in, week out. I know it might not look that way with the ACC, playing in the ACC this year, but constantly Notre Dame is playing the likes of Georgia, USC, Stanford, Michigan. Notre Dame plays good programs week in, week out consistently. Consistently. While other teams like Alabama play the Citadel before a big rivalry game. No, Notre Dame bounces from rival to rival and plays the toughest of the tough. And they also, tough academic school. What do you have? You have to have a 4.0 to get in there. So first, as a football player, to maintain... A 3.5 GPA is already difficult enough. And then to do it with the kind of classes that they're offering at Notre Dame, it can't be easy at all. Notre Dame is does what they do every year. They win double-digit games. They lose one big game, and that, that's it. Like, they compete. There's a reason they compete for the top spot because Brian Kelly's a good coach. They always have a good roster. It just they got to win the big games. This is a big game for them to win. Mm, it's... <laughs> I like Brian Kelly as a coach. Under Brian Kelly, Notre Dame has covered the spread six of its eight regular season games against top ten teams. Only one of those came at home, and that was against Stanford. Just, mm, 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 mm. The combined point differential is 50.5, so they're projecting the final score to be like 28-23. A lot of people are just picking... Clemson to win this game, even with Lawrence being out. I think that'll be the difference maker. I think that's why Notre Dame's going to win this game. You could say Notre Dame hasn't looked like as dominant as the number four team, but that's because Notre Dame takes their foot off the gas pedal. You could say whatever they want about how they barely beat Louisville, how they took their foot off the gas pedal and against Georgia Tech and only won 31 
to 13 when Clemson beat that team like 70 to 3. But that was when they had Trevor Lawrence, you know, the best player in college football. And Notre Dame took it to Pitt. They beat them 45 to 3. They handled Florida State, handled Duke to start the year. Notre Dame's just going to keep getting better. And the reason they only beat Georgia Tech by that much was that was the score in the fourth quarter, and Notre Dame took their foot off the gas pedal. Like, Brian Kelly doesn't run the score up on people. Other teams do that. Notre Dame does not run the score up on teams. And this is by far the biggest game of Notre Dame's schedule. Obviously, they're aiming for the ACC championship, but you got to take it one week at a time. So give me the Irish. Cheer, cheer for old Notre Dame. Wake up the echoes cheering her name. Last time there was a big matchup like this, <laughs> it was one of the most dramatic games ever. We had the old Bush push when USC came to Notre Dame. They cheated us out of that one. It's not going to get cheated tonight. Notre Dame winning this game. Let's go Irish. Topic number five. Just going to touch on this real quickly. The Cleveland Indians are taking calls on all-star superstar shortstop Francisco Lindor. I will never understand this. This is what I want to talk about this real. Why do teams just move off their superstar players like it's nothing? Honestly, what did the Red Sox get for Mookie Betts? What did they get? Oh, my God. A decent prospect, I guess. I, I, I couldn't tell you anything significant that the Red Sox got in return for the second best player in baseball. Francisco Lindor is a top 10 player in baseball. And the Indians are like, we're moving off him. Look, I understand the expiring contract. You don't want to pay him $30 million a year. I, I get it. I understand you don't want to get locked into a guy for that long. Okay, don't sign him to like a 10-year deal. So offer him an extension of like three to four years for maybe that money. I understand you don't want to pay him that much. You want to have your team have flexibility. You're a small market team like Cleveland. But I will never understand why teams are just so willing to just get rid of their best player. Trades always work out. In every sport, it works the same way every time. The team that gets the most talent in the trade wins the trade. As... <laughs> As foolish as that might sound, it's always how it works. We, we can look at this as another sport. So everyone said the Lakers gave up too much for Anthony Davis by giving up draft picks, giving up Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball. Oh, I look like it paid off pretty well for the Lakers because they are now world champions, and LeBron James and Anthony Davis are the best duo in the NBA. I don't think they gave up that much. Look at the Dodgers now. It gave up. They picked up Mookie Betts. Whatever they gave up for him, clearly it it was more than enough because they are now world champions. They hadn't won a World Series. They've been right there. They've been on the cups. They bring in a top-tier player like Betts, changes the difference for that lineup altogether for that defense, and sure enough, bing, bang, boom, World Series champions. Uh, it just shows if you trade for top-tier talent and already have the solid team, Regardless of the prospects you give up, regardless of the draft picks you give up, you win the trade. If you, if you trade for the best talent, you're going to get it. You're going to have the utmost success. I just really can't comprehend why teams are just so willing to give up their star players, even if they are going to demand a lot of money. You pay the money. 
the Indians are a playoff team. They are right there. You could do a couple of different. You sign Lindor back, and then you bring in a couple more pieces. Like Shane Bieber, their pitcher, is going to win the Cy Young. He was phenomenal this year. They just made the playoffs. They were in the World Series in 2016. They have the roster there to compete in Major League Baseball for a World Series. The pieces are there, but getting rid of Lindor for whatever you're going to get back puts you in the wrong direction and kind of guarantees that you're not going to be in World Series contention for the next few years. Not until these prospects come up and actually show themselves. It just It baffles me. It baffles me when teams are just so willing to get rid of their top-tier player for, no disrespect, but next to nothing. Because especially for baseball, you don't see, you might not see the prospect. He might be their number one prospect, number three prospect, whatever he might be. You might never see him because he dies, not dies, taking it too far, but he dis- they disappear in the minors. They don't always work out. You go with the for sure talent that's right in front of you. Lindor is a superstar, one of the best shortstops in the game today. Just. Whatever team he goes to, he's going to give that team success and make them a better baseball team. So good for him. I guess get out of the toxic situation that is Cleveland sports. Get away from it. Go to. Hopefully he goes to a good team. I don't know who he's going to go to. Speculation say since Steve Cohen just bought the Mets that he might be the newest addition of the New York Mets. If they make a deal, you got to make something happen. You're a new owner. You have all the executives, front office staff are leaving. They're exiting. This is your time to make noise for an organization that needs it. But also, you know, the Yankees will be in talk for Lindor. <laughs> I wouldn't imagine the Dodgers are there, but you never know it is the Dodgers. Um, it, wherever he goes, I bet he will go to a contain a team that is trying to contend, and I bet that team will end up being better than the Indians for years to come because they're given rid of top-tier talent. So Lindor is – they're saying that he sh- could be will, – will most likely be traded before opening day of 2021. So and opening day comes the end of March, early April. So he will be wearing a different uniform come spring training so look out superstar on the move in major league baseball and those are the five topics now for my unpopular opinion and this has to do with one Shaquille O'Neal that's right Shaq Diesel Superman Shaq this is the unpopular opinion about you you are a bully (laughs) he just is Shaq is a bully yeah it is funny I, they are the best TV tandem out there with him, Chuck, Kenny, Ernie. Just the TNT crew is just the best. But this, it wasn't about what, and you know, what he says on there with the little Shaq and a fool making fun of guys, you know, it's, it's all cute when it's all jokes and everything like that. It's funny. I enjoy watching it. It makes for great TV, and that's why they win Emmys and are always con- considered the best, you know, sports show. <laughs> every year, year in, year out. But Shaq is a bully, and here's why. So just recently he had comments about one Dwight Howard. He didn't name him by name. He didn't call out Dwight specifically saying Dwight Howard, but we know who he was talking about. So what Shaq said 
about Mr. Dwight Howard. He said, sit your ass down. First, he Lakers won the championship. Dwight hops on Instagram Live and just gives a nice little speech with the trophy of, like, follow your dreams. You know, don't ever give up. You know, you can do it. Whatever you believe in, y- you can go after and get it done. It's like, yeah, like, that's a I, – I think that's great. And especially coming from a player like Dwight Howard, you know, he was with the Lakers. It didn't work out during the Kobe, Steve Nash, Mike D'Antoni tenure. So they moved on from him. He went to the Rockets. And Dwight has kind of been a journeyman ever since he's been with the likes of the Charlotte Hornets. The Washington Wizards has suffered various injuries. People were saying he could be out of the league. Like He might not even have a roster spot moving forward. The Lakers took a chance, signed him to an earn it contract. That's what he wanted. He wanted to show his worth, signed for next to nothing on a prove-it contract. If it didn't work out, they could have just released him. Nope, signed him for the full year. He was a big part of the playoff run for them. No. Was he, you know, one of their top three guys for the Lakers? No, of course not. But he played a nice, solid role, which is what he is. He's a role player now. He was a superstar, all-star at one point in his career. He is no longer that. Dwight Howard's aware of it. He bought into the role that the Lakers gave to him. He took full advantage, and he's now world champion. So obviously he's happy. And here comes Shaq saying, post one picture, sit your ass down, shut your ass up, you ain't do nothing. <laughs> like, all Dwight said was that, oh, follow your dreams. You can do anything. Yeah, that's that's what he did. Dwight did exactly what he said. His dream was to win a world championship. He overcame adversity. He overcame injury. He overcame the speculation that he's a bad locker room fit, that he can't fit in with guys, all this, all that. There's been so much criticism on Dwight Howard, and he overcame, and now he's a world champion. And for Shaq just to go out and blatantly just disrespect him and say he had no role... Dwight was a menace to Jokic in that Western Conference Finals. They ended up starting Dwight Howard at some point to stop Jokic, to frustrate him, not slow him down, not to stop him, but to slow him down and make a difference. Dwight had a big impact for the Lakers on the defensive end, rebounding, blocking shots, pick and roll maestro, throwing alley oops to him. Dwight Howard had a role. For Shaq just to say you ain't do nothing is just downright dis respectful. And it's not like Dwight said anything like, oh, I was the superstar. I carried up to a championship. No, he did the role that the Lakers gave to him and he succeeded. Shaq, you're just a bully. Like you just, for whatever reason, he just hates Dwight Howard. And he's been a bully to him ever since. It must be because Dwight took that Superman moniker from Shaq after Shaq was out of the league and Shaq didn't like that one bit. It's just, get over yourself, Shaq. Like, you're supposed to be an ambassador. You're supposed to, you know, be a guy that the younger players and players of today can go to to talk to you and get... You're supposed to just help the players up and coming. And here you are just shitting on Dwight Howard for no reason other than you're just hating. Literally just hating on the man for winning a championship and being happy about winning. And that's the social media era. He's taking videos of himself with it. Dwight... Dwight overcame so much and is finally a champion after so many people didn't believe him. And here comes just Shaq, just downright being disrespectful and criticizing him for no reason other than just to be a hater and a bully. And he does this constantly. He's had a feud, Shaq, that is, has had a feud with another Lakers player, JaVel McGee, 
Like he just constantly is making fun of JaVel McGee. It's the reason people think JaVel McGee is done. It's just like Shaq, why why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? And it really goes back like there's no reason for you to be disrespecting players like this. Yeah, Shaq, they weren't as dominant as you. They never claimed to be. They never said they were the most dominant big man in the game. Like, there's no reason for you just to be criticizing role players the way you do. When they're they're just that. They're role players. Like, JaVel McGee doesn't consider himself an all-star or superstar, but he's a champion. Like, he plays an integral role for teams and you know, contributes to championship teams. There's no reason to call him dumb, stupid, discredit him as a player, you know, just constantly shitting on him. It's just it's just low class and it just makes you look like a bully. And it's embarrassing. You should be embarrassed. It really is the crab mentality. It's like if you see anyone have success, oh, uh, pull him. It's just like the crab. So crab's in a bucket. You know, one crab tries to get out. Oh, the other crabs pull him down because it's like, well, you're not getting out unless we're all getting out. And it, it's just, this is what Shaq is doing. It's just like when one guy has any remote success, got to bring him down. Oh, sit your ass down. Shut up. You ain't doing nothing. It's just all Dwight said, follow your dreams. That's literally what he said, and Shaq hated on it. Shaq shitted on him, said to post one picture, shut, shut your ass up. It's embarrassing. You should be embarrassed of yourself, Shaq. You know, he can say whatever he wants. He's a TV guy. He's going to try and draw headlines and say stuff, and he's one of the biggest names in sport. Everyone knows who Shaquille O'Neal is, but he needs to stop with the unnecessary hate on these players because it's a bad look for the league, and it just shows the, the difference between the old heads of the game and the, the players of today. It's just, mm, you're a bully, Shaq, and you should be embarrassed for being a bully. And that's my unpopular opinion, and that's the end of episode 36 of the Hang Time with Helgi podcast. Thanks for listening. You know, Check out my social media pages. Feel free to hit me up if you ever want me to talk about anything specific. And yeah, just go check out my website too because I got some good things coming there. So be on the lookout for that. But until next time, remember, wash your damn hands. All right, I'm out. Peace.